Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I am the host of the show, and I'm happy you can join and listen. If you've listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome, and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on movies. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcast apps so you can receive new episodes directly to your device when they become available. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. You can always also get episodes from our website, www.letmebendyourear.com. Finally got to see Creed 2. I know I'm a little late on this review. It's been out for a few weeks. Um, was very excited to see it. This is the sequel to the 2015 film Creed, which introduced Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Creed, the son of Rocky opponent Apollo Creed. Now, Creed 2 is essentially almost a sequel to Rocky 4. So obviously, if you're listening to this particular show, I'm sure you're a big fan of the Rocky movies. Uh, you know how the story moved forward on that regarding his bout with Ivan Drago, and in that film, early in Rocky IV, Drago has an exhibition fight with Apollo Creed, who at that point was being trained by Rocky Balboa. Obviously, Apollo trained Rocky in Rocky III after he lost to Clubber Lang, so that story uh, picked up right where Rocky III left off. So early in Rocky IV, Apollo Creed fights Ivan Drago in an exhibition bout. Apollo you know, really doesn't take it too seriously. He trains, but, you know, this this Russian fighter really hasn't fought anybody. Apollo Creed is a seasoned champion. And then, of course, as that fight goes along, he is killed in the ring by Drago. So I don't think I'm giving away any spoilers. Like I said, if you're listening to this review, I'm sure you've seen all the Rocky films. So Creed Two opens actually with Ivan Drago, again played by Dolph Lundgren, training his son, Victor, uh, they're living in pretty crappy conditions in the Ukraine. And you can see his son uh, quickly dispatch several opponents at the opening of the film. And the film makes it obvious that uh, Ivan Drago, post-fight with Rocky where he loses, is not doing very well. Uh, doesn't really live the life that you would imagine uh, a potential champion would have had. Um, and he's basically channeling that failure uh, into his son. And uh, you also find out that their the, their mother and his wife left them after the disgrace of losing to Rocky. Uh, so basically, his family, in his opinion, has been disgraced. So that opens the film and sets that up. Meanwhile, back in the United States, you have Donis Creed, uh, played again by Michael B. Jordan, along with his... Uh, girlfriend, again, played by Tessa Tom Thompson, Bianca. Both of four are great in this movie as well, just as they were in the first movie. That's one of the strengths of these two films. Uh, the performances by the leads are, are spectacular, really, really well done. So Michael B. Jordan wins the heavyweight championship and immediately is challenged through, the, through a promoter played by Russell Hornsby to fight Drago's son, obviously, with the angle being uh, revenge for his father's death, you know, any angle that's going to make them money. So he 
So Adonis talks to Rocky about it. Rocky says, I don't think it's a good idea. What's the point? There's no there's no point in doing this. Don't bother. So at first it seems like that's not going to happen. But then, of course, Adonis changes his mind, goes back to Rocky, says he's going to do the fight. And Rocky is like, I, I can't help you out on this one. So that's the main thrust of the movie. So the thing that I liked about Creed 2 is, look, I will say, and I've heard some other reviewers talk about this movie, if you like the Rocky movies or have seen the Rocky movies before, the movie hits some familiar beats. I mean, it's not it's not reinventing the wheel. So if you don't like those beats, then you're probably not going to like this movie. If you're a big fan of the Rocky movies and kind of go along with what, what, what inherently is going to be kind of stuff that's the same, I think you'll enjoy it. But I will say this, the structure of the movie... Um, to me was surprising and not a bad way the way the movie is structured I thought lended itself well to character development which is I think the strength of these movies you still get fights you still get that kind of stuff but the structure of the movie really allows it to focus more on character development now I know some other critics and some other podcasts I've listened to that have reviewed this movie have indicated as a criticism that the movie is a little slow I didn't find it slow at all, so I disagree with that criticism. I guess I kind of understand it because of the way of the structure of the movie. Maybe they were expecting more fights, longer fight sequences, better training. I don't know what they were expecting because everything's pretty much in here. You have the big fight. You have the training montage. You have the things that you would see in any Rocky movie and any, that you saw in the first Creed movie. But maybe, you know, we've seen it so many times. Maybe people are just more either used to it and are expecting something different or or I don't know if they're bored by it. I didn't find the movie boring at all. I actually enjoyed the fact that it really kind of delved into other themes uh, regarding Adonis. Specifically, what I liked about it is I think with the first movie and with this movie, there is a obviously a father-son dynamic that permeates through the movie, whereas Adonis didn't grow up with his father and then Rocky becomes a father figure to him and that continues into this movie. But I think this movie kind of goes into more exploring does he really want this and the reasons that he wants to be a boxer? Does he really want to be a champion? Does he want to do what it takes? Kind of, it, it, it kind of goes into that inner turmoil because something happens that makes him question himself. Uh, and I like the fact that it took the time to explore that. To me, it made the movie interesting. And Michael B. Jordan's performance is very good, just like it was in the first movie. You know, I know he's gotten a lot of acclaim for for Killmonger and Black Panther. And if you listen to one of my early shows, I go into great detail how I don't actually think that was a great performance in that movie. So I disagree with most of the critics on that. But in this movie, he's fantastic. Uh, his performance is fantastic. It was in the first Creed. It is in this one. Also, Tessa Thompson, who is quickly in my eyes becoming an actress to really watch as someone that's going to be one of the great ones she's i've seen her only a couple of movies she was fantastic in thor ragnarok fantastic and she's fantastic in the first creed and in this movie so normally a lot of times the girlfriend parts in these movies get short shrift her character as it was in the first movie was developed she was a fully realized character you know, if you remember, she's got uh, an issue with, with deafness. And it's just there were shades and layers to her character that she plays fantastically. And the relationship between her and Adonis is fantastic as well in Grounds of the Film. So I really enjoyed that aspect of the movie, which for me in a movie about boxing, when you can enjoy the scenes out of the ring, where some people I think that reviewed this movie didn't really find that that riveting enough i thought it was extremely riveting and and kind of the changes and the evolution of their relationship in this movie i thought was one of my favorite parts of it uh so 
Obviously, again, if you've seen the Rocky movies, it's going to build to uh, a, a fight, a showdown between Victor Drago and uh, Adonis Creed. Now, the one criticism that I will say uh, that I actually agree with early in the movie when um, the pitch for the fight is being given to Adonis, uh, Ivan actually goes to Rocky Balboa's restaurant in Philadelphia to see him. So a scene that should have really crackled a little more. You know the reunion of Rocky Balboa and Eva, and Ivan Drago. Uh, they're sitting in, a, in in his restaurant. They're having a conversation about you know how Ivan's life has been destroyed by losing that fight. That scene could have been better. I agree. I it was cool to see them, the two actors, the, playing the two characters after all these years together. So I think maybe they kind of leaned on that inherent excitement a little too much that scene to me could have been a lot better uh, i don't know if i was looking for more tension or more not that it had to be more fireworks i mean they had a conversation which i totally thought was fine because uh, all this time had passed but there could have been a little more drama in that conversation i think you don't have to do that you don't have to resort to yelling if it's well written i think you can have that conversation and still make it crackle with energy and i do think that that scene lacked the energy that I would have liked to seen in uh, the movie with those two characters coming together after all those decades. So that criticism, I do agree with. That scene could have been better. It was cool to see Dolph Lundgren and Sylvester Stallone acting together uh, after all this time and in, in playing those characters, but it definitely could have used more energy and more crackle. So I do agree with that as well. The film, the first film was written and directed by Ryan Coogler, who of course uh, the acclaimed director of Fruitvale Station and, of course, of, of the monster hit Black Panther. Uh, he didn't return for this film. He has a producer credit on it. Stallone co-wrote the screenplay, and the movie was directed by Stephen Capel Jr. I'm not familiar with his work. I haven't seen anything he's done. I thought he did a re really good job with this movie. I thought the direction was well done. I thought the pacing was well done. And like I said, a very good sequel. Creed was a very good movie, and I think it surprised a lot of people uh, when it came out, surprising the critics that uh, that it was actually a very good film. This film, I think, does it well. I think it's a good sequel. Um, is it better than Creed? Uh, I don't know if it's better than Creed, but it's very, very good. Uh, I always go into sequels, like most people do, very, very hesitant, and a lot of times with low expectations. Uh, even if that means that it's not as good as the first movie, um, but my expectations I usually try to have low. But this movie was actually very, very good. I enjoyed it very much. I would definitely watch it again, and I would definitely recommend it if you are both a fan of the Rocky series and if you are a, were a fan of the first Creed and were concerned, as I was, that Ryan Coogler wasn't returning to direct this one. Uh, I think after watching the movie, those concerns were uh, unnecessary, and uh, it is a well-done sequel. No, I don't know. If there'll be a Creed 3, I know the movie is performing well at the box office, so that always tells me that uh, if the money is being made, they will find a way to make a sequel. I know, I'm sure it'll also depend on, on Michael B. Jordan's willingness to do it. Um, Sylvester Stallone has said publicly that he may or may not be returning or he may be done as Rocky Balboa. So uh, there's a scene in Creed 2 that kind of alludes to that a little bit. So I think the future of this franchise, if it continues, appears to be uh, something without Sylvester Stallone participating in it. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I do think that if they make another one, I won't be surprised. I don't know where they would go with it. Uh, this particular storyline, I think, was a good one because it really kind of delved into the backstory more of, of obviously, of, of the death of Apollo Creed and 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 Adonis's issues with 
<clears throat> with his father not having his father around and, and all of that. So I think that's something, I don't know after this, if it can be what you can explore in this story. But again, the first Creed, I think, took everybody by surprise. This movie is really good. So to me, they've earned the the credibility to crank out a third one, and I would be definitely be interested in it, uh, depending on what the storyline would be. So uh, again, big fan of Creed 2. I highly recommend if you haven't seen it yet. I know it's still playing in theaters. It's been out for about a month or so, so I know this review is a little bit late, uh, but I saw it in the movies uh, a few days ago. It's still playing, uh, so I'm sure it's going to probably play through the Christmas season. So I would definitely recommend it if you enjoy it. And in my review scale, I'm going to give Creed four Van Goghs. I'm going to be breaking with the format of the show for this episode. I know normally, as I explain at the open, that each show is either going to be about one of the three topics that I like to discuss, which is politics or sports or movies. And obviously, you just heard a review of Creed 2. Uh, again, I'm breaking format because I'm going to get back into this Jamal Khashoggi story. Um, if you don't know the story, you can listen to episode 16 of this podcast uh, if you do follow the news, I'm sure you're well aware of this story, but just a quick recap. Jamal Khashoggi is a Saudi journalist who lived in the United States and wrote for the Washington Post. Jamal Khashoggi was highly critical of the Saudi government, specifically the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, better known as MBS. Jamal Khashoggi was murdered in the Saudi consulate in Turkey. Intelligence and other things have come out to implicate the crown prince is either knowing about the murder or actually ordering the murder. So I'm not going to get too much into that. Uh, just to give you that little bit of background. Again, if you need more background, you can read the stories that have been published online. And you can also listen to this podcast, episode 16, uh, with more in-depth discussion about it but i'm circling back because things have developed since the last show regarding the murder of jamal khashoggi and let me just start by saying in no uncertain terms that i'm pretty outraged by the lack of rage from the trump administration as it pertains to this murder the fact that we are not more forceful in our condemnation of the saudi government from the executive branch is pretty embarrassing and which is why i felt the need to kind of break the format of this podcast and delve into two different issues uh, i normally don't want to do that but this is very important to me because as the united states of america we do have to hold ourselves to a higher standard i'm not naive i understand that the united states embarks on things around the world that are probably not the greatest and, and this is nowhere to say that we're perfect and that we handle things around the world perfectly or do I expect that to be the case but what I do expect our government to do is when the evidence is clear that the head of state of an ally of the United States orders the murder of a journalist that we are completely and utterly outraged disgusted by a turn of events that way so just to give you a quick update on what's been going on as I stated in episode 16 the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, and the Secretary of Defense, Jim Mattis, briefed Congress a couple of weeks after Mr. Khashoggi was murdered. Someone missing from that meeting was CIA Director Gina Haspel, conspicuously missing. So I'm going to start with the CIA. I listened to a very good podcast by Michael J. Morrell, who served in the CIA for decades under both Bush 
Obama and other administrations. Specifically, he provided the presidential daily briefings for George W. Bush for one year. So that means every day he would come in with a briefing of intelligence gathering information every single day and talk to George W. Bush. He was also assistant director of the CIA under President Obama and acting director of the CIA under President Obama. This is a, this is a man that I've seen on CBS who gives outstanding information regarding intelligence. He now hosts a podcast called Intelligence Matters. And if you are interested in how intelligence works, the people that do that work, I cannot recommend this podcast highly enough. He commented about a week ago about this murder. And here is his opinion. So this is someone that knows intelligence gathering methods, the dependability of that information, and specifically is an expert on intelligence gathering from the year 2000 to currently. So to quote him, after September 11th and after we invaded Iraq and the intelligence on weapons of mass destruction were found to be inaccurate, the CIA immediately reviewed their practices on how they disseminate information and came up with a system of low confidence, medium confidence, and high confidence when categorizing intelligence that's gathered. Now, it can be stuck in one of those three categories, or as Mr. Morell stated, it could be low medium, medium high. So there, there could be different designations within that specific labeling of intelligence that's gathered. According to news reports and that have been confirmed, when the CIA finally met with Congress, so when Gina Haspel finally met with senators, Republican and Democratic senators, regarding this murder, they reported to the Senate with high confidence, high confidence, that MBS ordered the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. High confidence. According to Michael Morell, high confidence is a very high bar to meet and it's rarely used as a designation when evaluating intelligence that's presented either to the president or to the Congress. So basically, in layman's terms, with the highest degree of certainty that the CIA could have without there being absolute certainty, they reported, and I'm sure they reported this to the president, that they believe that MBS not only knew, but ordered the murder of this journalist. So after the meeting, after Gina Haspel briefed the Senate, Lindsey Graham came out. And since then, other Republican and Democratic senators have come out and basically said, there is no doubt that the crown prince of Saudi Arabia ordered the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, and we need to do something about it. Okay, this is Democrat and Republican senators after getting the same information that the Trump administration, that the executive branch received, said, this is insane. He ordered this killing and we need to do something about it. And again, the Trump administration is dancing around it, kind of, oh, well, we're, we're still gathering information, which leads me to my next sickening piece of information. Or actually, let me, let me know, before I get to that, transcripts of the audio of the murder of Jamal Khashoggi are starting to leak out. So just so you know, this man went to the consulate to pick up papers for his fiance that he was about to marry. This man was about to get married. He goes into the Saudi consulate and is attacked by up to 15 different people in that consulate and murdered. The audio tapes that have been heard, I'm sure by CIA, I'm sure reported to both the executive branch and the legislative branch 
and the and the investigation of this murder, you can hear Jamal Khashoggi gasping for air. You can hear him say, I can't breathe. This man was systematically murdered, and it appears to me with that many men there, they suffocated him and 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 to until he died. They murdered him in a consulate, and then from what the intelligence has been gathered, took his dead body out of there and chopped him up. And the crown prince of Saudi Arabia ordered this murder. Now, as angry as I am, I am starting to see pushback on this. I don't know where it's going to lead, but I, I applaud Lindsey Graham and I applaud any senator, Democrat or Republican, that is speaking out. Time Magazine just named Jamal Khashoggi one of the men, man of the year, along with other journalists that have been killed. I know, as I said in episode 16, I know we, we like to have fun, we laugh, or, or when Donald Trump calls people fake news, we all have our criticisms of the media, where we think there are biases either on the left or on the right, but murder of journalists cannot be tolerated at all. This can't be tolerated. And the fact that the Trump administration is tolerating it, this is sickening. And the fact that they do not comment on this more strongly is sickening to me. Now, go to Fox and Friends the other day. I actually was going to watch this interview, but I had to get to work. I just read an article on the aftermath of that interview. Now, Fox and Friends, mind you, a, a network that many people criticize as a mouthpiece for the Trump administration. So this is not like this is MSNBC. This is not like this is some kind of liberal, left-wing, Trump-hating network uh, that this story comes out of. So Mike Pompeo does an interview on Fox and Friends. So he's probably thinking, okay, I'm going to talk about some good things that are going on, get a couple of softball questions, and, uh, and then move on with my day. But to Fox and Friends' credit, they start talking about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi and asking deeper questions. Ainsley Earnhardt asked him and discussed the CIA believes with high confidence that Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman had ordered the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. They asked Pompeo about this. So what are your thoughts? What's going on? So this is Pompeo's response to these questions. Quote, this is still a developing set of facts with respect to the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. The intelligence community is working diligently on that. Further quote, the direct evidence, this is what I've said before, the direct evidence isn't yet available. It may show up tomorrow. It may have shown up overnight and I haven't seen it. End quote. Let's stop right there for a second. That's some bullshit. They have audio recordings of this man's murder. The CIA has already told you with high confidence that they believe that MBS ordered this murder. What are you talking about? I understand that the investigation is probably ongoing and they're still gathering more facts, but there's enough facts right now that you were delivered with high confidence that the crown prince ordered this murder. So that's some bullshit. Secondly, Lindsey Graham, after he was briefed by Gina Haspel, the head of the CIA, quote, there's not a smoking gun. There is a smoking saw, end quote. So back to what Mike Pompeo thought would be a softball interview on Fox and Friends. Brian Kilmeade chimes in after Pompeo gives that nonsense answer with the simple question. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was asked sarcastically because I didn't hear it. I'm reading the quote. Brian Kilmeade, quote, 
We know the prince knows, right? Question mark, end quote. That sounds like to me is, uh, we all know the prince knows about the murder. At the minimum, he knew about it and possibly ordered it. Mike Pompeo's response, quote, I've spoken to the king. I've spoken to the crown prince a number of times since the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. And it is absolutely Americans, America's intent to hold everyone accountable who was responsible for this, end quote. Okay, how so? You've already been given intelligence of the highest confidence that in their opinion, in their professional opinion, MBS ordered the murder. So what are you talking about? So Kilmeade asked another question, a great question. So Secretary Pompeo, do you believe the crown prince that he wasn't involved? Do you believe it? Pompeo's response, quote, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia decides who's running the country. We are working closely with the kingdom to make sure that America is protected. What the hell does that mean? What the hell does that mean? Brian Kilmeade asked you, do you believe the crown prince's assertion that he was not involved in this murder? What the hell kind of answer is that? That is bullshit. That is absolute nonsense. This cannot stand. And I circled back to the story because I think this is a story that has the potential to get brushed under the rug. I am very encouraged that in the last two weeks, there has been major pushback from both Republican and Democratic senators regarding this murder and to the point where just the other day, they voted to pull funding from the war in Yemen that's being backed by Saudi Arabia and also being funded by the United States. That's just the beginning. As I said in episode 16, I understand the complications and the importance of our relationship with Saudi Arabia. I'm not naive to the fact that cutting off any kind of relationship with Saudi Arabia is not a good idea. We, we have to have a relationship with this country based on the geopolitical things that it implies, the geopolitical forces that are in play as it relates to specifically Iran, as it relates to terrorism in the Middle East. I get all of that. I totally understand that. But the response to date from the Trump administration is not good enough. It's not good enough. This man, Jamal Khashoggi, was a journalist that lived in the United States. He was a resident of the United States who wrote for the Washington Post and was cold-bloodedly murdered for having the nerve to criticize the Saudi government. And the Trump administration is not handling this the way it should be handled. I don't know what's going on back channel. I can only hope that back channel discussions between the United States and the and the kingdom of Saudi Arabia are much more harsh, aggressive, and in no uncertain terms lets them know that if we confirm for sure, which I think we already have, that the Crown Prince ordered the murder of a journalist, that there will be the swiftest and most serious of penalties, whatever form that may take. I'm not that optimistic because another story I read is apparently Jared Kushner is buddy-buddy with the crown prince and has been advising the crown prince before and since this murder since this murder on how to handle it. So that sounds like to me, you don't think your buddy did it. Sounds like to me, you think, oh, you know, this is kind of a, a bad thing. It makes you look bad. Let's figure this out. So that doesn't make me very optimistic. Donald Trump has been very clear that the, the relationship financially, militarily, 
and geopolitically between the United States and Saudi Arabia is more important than looking into the murder of a journalist ordered by the crown prince. No. No. That's unacceptable. That should be unacceptable to us as a nation, to the Congress, to anyone that believes in decency. Again, I understand that the United States has probably done a lot of questionable things around the world. No doubt about it. But the fact of the matter is we know about this. We know with pretty much certainty that the crown prince of Saudi Arabia ordered the murder of this journalist inside the Saudi consulate. That's despicable. And the fact that this administration refuses and is still tiptoeing around. See, this is how bad it is. It's so bad. It's so blatantly egregious that an official on a friendly network, the friendliest Trump network out there, hammers him because the answers he he's giving is absolute nonsense. And not only on top of that, MSNBC, who, who we all know is a left-leaning network, gave credit to Fox and Friends for hammering Pompeo, which spun off into another controversy about uh, Mika, which I won't get into, <clears throat> you know, the comments that she said regarding Pompeo. But I don't want to get off track. But it was so egregious, just the, the, the ridiculousness of Pompeo's statements were so egregious that even Fox and Friends had to go, wait a minute. This guy knew about this murder. They even had to question it. That's how bad this is. And until the Trump administration comes around, I'm going to continue to talk about this. And I hope other citizens write about it, blog about it, podcast about it. Because this story needs to be kept alive until the United States responds accordingly to this heinous crime. We cannot live in a world where allies of the United States are ordering the murder of journalists. It's different if it's a country that we have a hostile relationship with or no relationship with does this kind of stuff. Still heinous, but we may not have a relationship with a certain country that does this. But we have a deeply held, long-standing, financially beneficial relationship with Saudi Arabia, and we cannot be in a relationship with a country where the head of state orders the murder of a journalist and not deal the most severe consequences that we can short of breaking off the relationship completely. Again, I hope the Congress continues on a bipartisan way. I discuss polarization and how it's infected politics and how it's become a disease of politics. And maybe the positive byproduct of this heinous act is that sides and 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 issues and agendas get put aside for the good of the country and for what i'm seeing here in the senate both sides of the aisle are disgusted republicans and democrats are rightfully disgusted that this journalist has been murdered and there's basically been no response from the united states other than to to sanction or to expel a couple of saudis that's it that is not enough and I will definitely be following up on this story. Uh, again, I broke the format uh, of t tackling one topic per show, but this is this has enraged me, and I think it's important to continue to discuss. And I hope you listen to episode 16 and listen to this episode uh, as well and do your own work into the story because it's a story that needs to be followed. It needs to be reported on. It needs to be opined on. And anyone that is, which I think is most of the world, that believes in decency, and justice should be outraged by the story.
Thank you for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show on any of the following podcasting apps. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, or CastBox. You can follow the show on Twitter at BendYourEarPod. That is also the handle on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show's YouTube channel under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can email the show at BendYourEarPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and please rate and review the show on Apple Podcast. If you listen to the show on a different platform but have an iTunes account, please rate and review there. If you like the show or think a friend may enjoy it, please share on your social media. It would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and take care.